Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by BOMI.org. Check them out. It's B-O-M-I. And they are the leader in facilities and property management training and classes. BOMI.org. Check them out. Today we're talking about retail and retail real estate, and I think it's been an incredible topic because retail is in such a state of flux all over the country. You know, we have tenants, big box tenants closing. We have retail kind of changing. We have technology and online sales still still growing, and it's been it's interesting because I think there's a lot of opportunities around retail real estate. Think about it; it's good real estate usually. And while some of these older retailers are having trouble. There's also new retailers that are doing well. So today we're going to talk to an economist analyst and find out what's going on in the market and get uh, her view. And we're going to talk to someone about some technology impacting uh, retail real estate. And then we're going to talk to someone doing uh, video marketing that you might want to know about related to uh, retail. Then I'll final, uh, finish the show up with some investment tips to work today. Please welcome my first guest, Barbara Denham. And Barbara's senior economist with Reese, and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, good to talk to you again. Thank you, Michael. Good to talk to you, too. Well, Barbara, you know, as I said in the intro, there's, there's stores closing, out, and retail seems to be in a state of flux. A lot of the, the press, if you're not in commercial real estate, may, people may think it retail's dying out. What do you see for performance around the country? Well, we, uh, we track statistics on uh, different property types. We look at the mall statistics nationally, and then we look at neighborhood and community shopping centers, both nationally, regionally, and uh, by metro. And let me just start with the bad news, which is that the mall vacancy rate really jumped in the quarter. It went from 8.6% last quarter to 9.1% in the mm. third quarter. And that was really due to a number of Sears and Bonton stores that closed this quarter. A lot of them closed in, um, right after Labor Day. So what that did was uh, it really it really impacted the mall. After all the, the months of saying stores are closing, stores are closing, mm-hmm. well, they really, really closed in the third quarter, and we saw that in the mall statistics. When's the last time you've seen vacancy jump like that? Uh, not since the last cycle, 2009. So that was the biggest jump since the, you know, the housing bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was pretty significant. Yeah, that's amazing. So were there certain markets impacted more than others? Well, on our neighborhood and community shopping centers statistics, which really looks at um, uh, mall statistics are, are, are uh, properties that are generally enclosed and bigger with an anchor store. Community shopping centers are not the enclosed um, malls. They're more like the outdoor, the strip centers. Now, those are the, what we track on a much more uh, thorough, uh, detailed basis, and they're a much bigger part of the retail inventory. The vacancy rate for those properties was flat. It was 10.2%. It had jumped uh, from 10.0% to 10.2% in the second quarter, all because of the Toys R Us and Babies R Us closures. But they stayed flat in the third quarter, which means a lot of the the impact from the big store closings have been already incorporated into the statistics. So we're not as fearful that we're going to see a big jump in vacancy rate uh, going forward in that category. So 10.2% vacancy in these types of retail properties. And to put it in perspective, um, how was that traditionally speaking, uh, you know, when you go back 10 years or so when maybe uh, retail was doing well? 
Well, uh, it has, you know, even in this cycle, it has um, fallen to a low of 9.8%, and it's generally been in the 10 to 10.6% range. Um, even historically, uh, it was never really above uh, 12%, so the, the, the retail statistics don't uh, go up and down quite as much as um, the uh, the office market or the apartment market. There's generally a... Uh, a pretty good um, uh, pretty balance yeah. in the in the types of stores. Yeah, and uh, wh what do you expect moving forward, Barbara? I mean, it, we're flat there. We've got increase in mall vacancy, but that may have been a big jump from you know, Sears and these types of stores closing. What, what would you expect moving forward? Well, we expect to see um, uh, probably a flat vacancy rate. It might go up a little bit more, but we really don't see much in the way of um, that much movement in occupancy. So what we have uh, anecdotal data on is that a lot of these properties have already, they, they, they knew they were closing, so they've already, um, a lot of the landlords have uh, redeveloped the property or have plans to redevelop the property. A lot of them have kind of uh, retailers or other users uh, on the wings waiting to take over the space. For example, a lot of the properties, big box anchors, are either convert, going to be converted into grocery stores. Some will be converted into self-storage facilities. Some are, are even getting redeveloped as hotels. So I, a lot of the, um, the malls and the, and the retail sector, I think we're still going through a lot of correction, a lot of um, restructuring. And I think most properties, if they haven't done some kind of major renovation or major kind of uh, re-anchor, uh, release to a, a new anchor, they really, really should. Because you really need um, better, uh, something to draw people to your retail center, either new entertainment, new restaurants, um, a better spa or a, a you know anchor tenant. Uh, one of the biggest things we're seeing in the trends is that, one of the biggest new occupiers of space are gyms. So gyms and fitness centers are taking up a lot of space in uh, retail shopping centers, which is good because it, it brings a lot of foot traffic. And there's just, you know, it's really a sign of our healthier economy. People are spending more, more money on gym memberships than they are on, say, new clothes. And healthier people, right? <laughs> yeah, and so, Barbara, if you're seeing uh, vacancy uh, remain a little flat in those types of retail properties, how much of that is from the lack of new supply and some of these properties kind of being uh, demolished? What do you what do you see there on new supply levels? Yeah, we still see uh, some construction in the pipeline. So, um, and I think that's just very endemic to the industry. People want the new, new, and they want to get rid of the old. So even some of the current shopping centers are getting torn down with plans to rebuild, you know, new shopping centers with nicer facilities, better parking. Um, uh, so we are seeing a lot of uh, demolitions and conversions, but we're also seeing a lot of construction in the pipeline. And as you probably are aware, a lot of the new retail coming online is in mixed-use properties. So these kind of... Um, uh, what do you call them, lifestyle centers, where it's a new apartment building built with, uh, you know, a grocery store and a coffee shop in, in, uh, in the base, in the retail space, maybe a, a bit of a WeWork or a, a workspace there as well. Um, so a lot of people are liking these new properties where you can live and shop in the same facility. Uh, so it's always going to be new. It's all, you know, the fresher a retail space is, the better it does. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the, the mixed use is the way to go. If you're not in a vibrant market that has a vibrant downtown where it already is mixed use, then these mixed use developments make a lot of sense. You know, and Barbara, we sell shopping centers around the southeast, and uh, maybe it's just the ones that we sell, but we're tending to see cap rates starting to rise a little bit on these properties. What are you guys seeing around the country? We're seeing a very similar picture. Um, cap rates are definitely up. They're about 8% uh, these last two quarters. They've held pretty steady this year, but they're up from about an average of 77 7.5% last year. Now, there's a lot of volatility in the retail property cap rates because the cap rates are derived by what trades that quarter. So they are increasing, but I, I think what we're seeing is some of the better properties are trading, and that's why they aren't increasing by more um, because, uh, you know, a better, the higher quality of property is the lower the cap rate. And, yeah. Um, so they're still increasing, but I think they would probably be increasing more if, if the same types of um, properties were trading as they were a year ago. Right. And if you look at the average, so you kind of average things, it looks like they've come up, you know, maybe uh, 50 basis points, then maybe in a year. So what would you expect moving forward? A similar pattern, a similar pattern. I think they'll continue to go up. I mean, there's still restructuring going on. It's still an, uh, an asset class that you really have to know your um, your your, uh, your your market for so there's not a lot of people uh, competing for uh, to buy some of these properties unless they're considering to tear it down and building it as a development site. Um, you know, a lot of there's still demand for say apartment um, properties when an apartment goes for sale. You know, you have a lot of investors. Not a lot of investors in retail properties. Uh, it has to be like a niche investor that really knows the property, really knows how to um, manage. Uh, uh, you know, the property that they're buying. Um, so I, I think cap rates will continue to go up at least, you know, another 50 basis points in a year. And Barbara, what do you see as an economist related to retailers right now? Is, is consumer confidence still good and, and the job market still good? What's kind of the outlook there for retailers? I think the economy is still good. Consumer confidence is great. Um, disposable income is starting to trickle up a little bit, and certainly the um, job market is good. In fact, I, I should point out that when I'm looking at rents, rent growth on the West Coast was higher. Retail rents went up higher on the West Coast and places like Austin than it did elsewhere, and that's really driven by not just job growth but income growth because most of the jobs that are adding in those uh, that have been added in those cities are tech-related. So I think the overall economic conditions are great. I just think retailers still have to, it's, it's not even they're competing against economic forces, they're competing against this e-commerce behemoth, uh, whether it's Amazon or any other kind of online retailer. So you have to stay relevant, you have to get people into your store, and if you can, you should have some kind of online presence so that people might want to come into your store, but if they don't necessarily want to buy at the time, they can at least buy whatever you're selling online. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, and then having a great mix of retailers, right, that, that brings in that experience. And we're bringing a couple yeah. centers uh, on the market here in a few days that uh, are kind of all uh, Amazon-resistant, if you will, types mm -hmm. of tenants that, uh, that, that, that online doesn't really impact them because of what they do. And, uh, well, Barbara, what would you leave our audience with related to uh, retail or retail properties to think about? 
Well, I, I, the other thing we didn't discuss was how restaurants are doing so well. I mean, restaurant job growth is is, is one of the strongest um, industries in the in the country right now. So, you know, there there is a, just a very um, interesting uh, change going going on in the retail space, which is we're seeing more entertainment, more restaurants, more gyms, more spa-like features, and the more a, a retailer kind of appeals to that need. Uh, that experiential retail uh, dollar, uh, the better they will do going forward. Yeah, well, the good point. Barbara, good information as usual. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. If you like more information from uh, Reese, check them out at Reese.com. That's R-E-I-S. They do a good job of tracking the commercial real estate market. And uh, stay with us. We're going to have more. Like I said, we're going to have somebody to talk to us about video marketing, somebody to talk about technology. And now I'll end the show with some investment tips that work for retail in today's market. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by RealCrowd.com. Check them out for commercial real estate crowdfunding. It's RealCrowd.com. Well, today we're talking about retail and retail real estate. And one of the things that's uh, changing in retail is the experience and getting people out to your properties, getting people out to your stores. Well, a lot of people are using Google Maps these days, right? To It seems like I, I talk to friends and they're like, well, how'd you get here? Well, I don't know. I just put it in Google Maps and it got me here and there I was there. Well, you might want to know something that you can do with Google Maps for your retail properties and your retail stores. Please welcome my guest, Steve Barnes, and he's Presidente. He's President of Barnes Creative Studios, joining us in Studio One. Steve, good to see you thanks, again. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us about Google Street View. It's like, uh, and Street View's not really a, kind of a fair name for it, is it? Well, they used to, they've changed it a couple yeah. times. It was called Google Inside at one point, Business View. Now they've just taken the whole outside thing where the car goes by and passes and just takes an image as Street View, and now they're calling the interiors Street View, but unless you want the Google van, I guess, to drive inside, that's not going to be the way it plays. So you hire people like us who are trusted Google partners to go in, create the walkthrough on Google, and then those two kind of marry together. All right. So for an example, then, you, you, when you go to the property in Google or you go to your, the, the store or the mall or something, you can actually, on your computer or on your phone, kind of walk in and look around? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can do a couple of things. Yeah. You can not only just walk around by tapping on your phone or on your computer, you can also get on with a virtual reality headset and bring it up in there. So they're really forward thinking what's, you know, what's coming with, with the Google stuff. It's pretty incredible from a retail point of view to be able to walk in somewhere and get that feeling like you've been there before. Yeah. You know, like the access, but on the flip side, as an owner, 
of a property to be able to have Google Street View for when the sale comes up and you're able just to quickly send somebody one link that puts them at the front door of your business and taking them right inside to walk around. So yeah. it's kind of a teaser. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it when I'm looking at a restaurant, you know, you look at the outside, maybe you're thinking about going there, okay, but, but if you can walk in the restaurant, right. kind of start looking around, you start to get a, a feel for, for the, what the experience might be there. Right? There's a new retailer yeah. in Atlanta called Fruita Bowls, which is those acai bowls mm -hmm. that have all the fruit and bananas and stuff. There's one on Roswell Road that just opened and they had us do Google for them and now, since it's unknown here, it's a, it's a franchise, but no one knows it here, you can pull it up and when you're on Google, not only see the images that they load, they're pretty pictures of bowls, but a realistic look and walkthrough of the place. So you see, oh, this is like a Starbucks, or it's got nice leather couches, it's got really cool furnishings, it's got great places to sit. It's not just a walk in and get something and walk out. So I think that helps conversion with Google and like you said, to your point, everyone Googles everything. Right. And so they can go to that store or restaurant and see that example. Can they also see some examples of these uh, at your website? Oh, absolutely. Uh, at BarnesCreativeStudios.com, just you can click on, on the portfolio and there's a ton of Google live action stuff, everything from the Four Seasons Anguilla, if you want to feel like you're on vacation, mm -hmm. uh, to Gusto here in Atlanta, a restaurant. I mean, there's all types of things. There's an antique store on there, Fox Club Antiques, mm -hmm. which is another case because people are buying. So now your store is open 24 seven. Mm -hmm. When you're not there, you embed your Google tour on your contact page, probably. Somebody walks in and in the case of Fox Club Antiques, they can walk down each aisle and look at everything. So your wife can spend your money all the time <laughs> now. She doesn't need any help with that, Steve. No. <laughs> Google so, puts you there. So for a store like that, I guess they keep things on their shelf, you know, maybe a month or so at a time. Are they redoing it? They are. Okay. Two or three times a year because I okay. guess the turnover, you know, they're selling that many antiques that they okay. want to keep it current. And they also get Matterport virtual tours. If you want to take it one step further, within Matterport, you can actually click and purchase. Mm -hmm. Google, you can't add all that. Google doesn't want you to put a bunch of, you know, you, you can't, they, no. they don't allow it. But Matterport, it's a similar walkthrough where you tap the screen and walk through. But in the Matterport case, you can actually put items. So in the case of the antique store, you can put something directly to purchase the item or the case of Fruit of Bowls, information about the items. So there's a lot of ways, people are demanding it. Right. Google is giving way more credit now for contextual content. Yeah. So things on your website, especially Google products on your website, search engine optimization is a huge one. Just the ranking overall, they're putting a lot of emphasis on local and on search. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a moment. So if you um, are running a restaurant or a retail store or own, own a property with retail in it, if you can do these Google Street Views and have people be able to be able to kind of virtually walk in the space, walk, walk around, it also helps with your local SEO for your your business? Absolutely, they don't yeah. divulge how it helps. Yeah. But you can read a million articles and there's a lot that I've linked on my website just to educate people on the power of Google. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing, which is what you're gonna love to hear and also retailers, is it's cheaper. It's cheaper than Matterport and it's pretty powerful because it's accessible on the map. Well, let's talk about that too because I think when we think of hiring a professional videographer to come in and, and video our entire store, retail or shopping center or something, it sounds like a lot of money. So what are some of the price points? For Matterport, 
think micro and for Google, think macro. So Google's going to be a lot less stops. It's more for selling the context. Mm -hmm. Matterport's going to be for micro, for getting down into it and actually getting into items and getting into way more depth than the overall. A Matterport tour is $1,500 flat, up to 10,000 square feet. So a pretty big space. Mm -hmm. Google is only $399 for five jumps, which most retailers fall under. Yeah to go from your front facade and then four clicks into the store. Mm -hmm. So like the Fruit of Bowls case, that was 399. Nice. I try to keep the pricing low. I do a lot with hotels around the world and we added that as a value add for them, but it's turned into a busy business while we're in Atlanta with, with commercial real estate and retail. Yeah. Steve, what about if I own a shopping center or I manage a shopping center or some sort of mixed use development, how might I use this Google Street View to help me with that? The same way, but on a bigger scale. A couple ways. Consumer-wise, like let's take Avalon, for instance. We have not done Avalon, but I've done a lot of work with Avalon. If Avalon were on the map, somebody could see that experiential, unique place from anywhere in the world or from right down on Alpharetta and get a feel for what's going on. Um, the, the shopping center, when it's also being sold, it's a great tool to have. Mm -hmm. Because once you capture it, say using the Avalon example, we captured Avalon Boulevard, I think is what it's called, the Main Street. Mm -hmm. And we did a facade of each of the, of the places. You as the owner of Avalon, I'm not sure who owns it now. I know it was mm -hmm. North American Properties, but mm -hmm. Heinz or somebody who owns it. That is their Google walkthrough. So when you find the business Heinz on um, Google, and you get connected to that map, that's not allowing you, that's not connected to when you search Chili's, whatever. It's two different things. Chili's could also have theirs where you come into Chili's, but from the commercial real estate perspective, someone's able to walk that entire place and get a feel for it from a consumer side or from a sales side. Also, if you don't have a budget for a big video, I would argue that this is sometimes more powerful than just watching a two minute or a 90 second video. Well, it gives me the idea that if you're managing or controlling and owning a shopping center or mixed use development, and you can help your tenants get a lot more Google juice uh, and, and get extra visitors to their store. The, and, but and you're maybe, benefiting as the owner, right, not but, as the business. But but you know how commercial real estate owners are concerned about money. Right. Uh, if each store spent $3.99, they did their own, you know, and yeah. you came out and said, all right, we're gonna go to every store. There's a discount. It's usually right. 400 ounce, 399. Right. <laughs> and there, and and he'll do your store while you're here. And I've had some cases like that. And you get more traffic to the whole center. Right. Which benefits you as yeah. the owner. I had yeah. a small uh, center here mm -hmm. that did their center, and we also accented it with a few drone shots because they mm -hmm. were they were really nice. And and so basically you walk around, but also you could be up in the sky in three positions. Now you're seeing context beyond the shopping center. So there's Buckhead in the distance. There's perimeter in the King and Queen building mm -hmm. in the distance, and then you jump down onto the property. Mm -hmm. So when that person did theirs as X company, they also paid to these guys, to the Chili's of the world and whoever, and said, we're going to also do yours. So that's a separate entity, but it really benefits the shopping center right. in the end. Right, right, yeah, because you just want more traffic to the whole complex, right? Yes. To, to help out everybody. And well, be careful with, with vendors mm -hmm. because there's a lot that you know you'll you'll go and you'll find something on the map and then you look around and you see a reflection and then there's the camera it just kind of blows it for the consumer yeah you look down you see a tripod um that's just stuff that shouldn't happen yeah and that's and, stuff that and if you want to see an don't. example of an office uh google uh bull realty yeah bull realty.com or bull realty's office where you, 
our corporate office is at 50 Glen Lake Parkway. And you can, yes, yeah, so you come to the street and then you walk in our double glass doors and you, you walk, walk around. In right in here. You can walk in and see the studio. Yeah. Which is, is yeah. really cool yeah. for someone who hasn't seen what this is like, yeah. which is kind of arguing our whole purpose of why, why it's done. Yeah. You'll be standing out in front of your building and then mm -hmm. one click and then boom, you're inside yeah. and walking around. So come see us in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Virtually. All right. Steve, great information. Thanks for joining us. You're very us. welcome. All right. And thanks for joining us. So stay with us. We'll have more on retail and retail real estate. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org, that's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by ArborCrowd.com. Check them out for commercial real estate crowdfunding. Well, today we're talking retail and retail real estate. And one of the things that's affecting all types of real estate, commercial real estate and residential today is technology. Please welcome my next guest is Duke Long. And Duke is well known in the commercial real estate field for his expertise in technology. And he's with the Duke Long Agency. And he's joining us on the phone. Duke, thanks for being with us again. Thank you, Michael. Love being on your show. Well, Duke, what do you think about when you think about commercial real estate technology What's the first type of companies you think about when it comes to, to retail real estate? Uh, Amazon. That's the first one <laughs> right. I think about. Right. I think everybody else thinks about it, too. I mean, the way that they are changing the logistics and um, not only the last mile, they, they've figured out the last mile. They figured out how to get in your house <laughs> and start being your retailer from there. So to me, that's one, obviously one of the biggest ones that, that are out there. The other ones that I'm familiar with. You have, now have some of these uh, large real estate companies like Brookfield or whomever who are starting their own retail technology companies just to mine data, to help with inventory, to help other retailers, ironically, and try to compete at that level where everyone has to, which is Amazon. Yeah. And you say Amazon's in your house, and, and you mean on the delivery part or the order part with like things like Alexa? Uh, well, both actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can order anything, and I, you know, I live in New York, and those little boxes show up all the time in our buildings. Um, the ability to order that stuff and not even have to go out. And the thing about being in New York is everything is technically at your doorstep, supposedly. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to get in a car and go get something. But even then, they're going to bring it to me. So I think they figured that part of it out. Ironically, now they're going bricks and mortar, which I think, if you ask people generally, uh, just someone who's not really around real estate that much, how, how big they think the e-commerce part is, they think it's a lot bigger than it is. It's still, I think even still over 90% is still bricks and mortar of sales. So it's growing, but it's not a huge substantial part of the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and I think you're right. I think people think that half the stuff is, is bought online and, and it's really not. Uh, and while we're mentioning Alexa, 
you can actually tell Alexa or Siri to uh, play podcast, The Commercial Real Estate Show, and you will hear our, our current show, our latest offering. And uh, we're pretty much putting up a new podcast every week and a new video every weekday. Um, so uh, check that out. So Duke, what, what's down the pipe? What, what do you see for the future in technology and, and, and how, especially related to retail? Well, what, and this is, this might be the boring side of this and not the, you know, the fancy business, business consumer side, but what I've seen a lot, especially into the real estate part is the, the distribution where again, a company like Amazon or some of these bigger companies are so efficient and so good at putting, you know, getting their products out that some of the, what I would call the second tier, mid tier companies are struggling to compete against that. So you've got a lot of robotics and different types of, uh, software systems that are trying to make these other uh, retailers and other competitors uh, more efficient. I think that's huge. And I think someone said for every, what is it, every billion dollars spent online, we need a million square feet of warehouse space. So warehouse space is now almost as uh, good of an investment as Class A office. So I think, although that's boring, I think that's really where the fight is right now to try to compete for that consumer. Once you get beyond that, everybody talks about the experiential stuff and you know, all the different kinds of things they need to do to, to, to attract people to the retail. Um, I, you know, being in New York, there's a lot of stuff that you see it that's just flat out empty. Um, because I can get it somewhere else, that doesn't mean I'm not willing or able to go out and still have that experience. But it's just a little bit different for everybody. So I think we're kind of in a transitional period. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I, uh, when I think of New York, I remember when I first went there, I started seeing the showrooming it seems like there many many years ago because the space was so expensive you know they they don't have a big selection there they they go get it out of the basement somewhere uh, so it seems like they've been showrooming in manhattan for for a long time yeah and i'm certainly not a shopper by any stretch of imagination i have two daughters that certainly are but uh just one of the experiences where one of my daughters went to get some different clothes for something and they didn't have a certain pair of pants and they said, we'll have it to you next day. So I don't know where that came from, some warehouse or wherever, but she said, okay, go ahead, and they sent it to her house the next day. So that doesn't mean she wasn't shopping or being there, but their their willingness or ability to get that product to her the very next day was a huge reason that she wanted to do that. So where were we before doing that? Were we all shopping online? Were we all just looking? Um, or, you know, do we have to go to the mall to do that anymore? I, I, I certainly don't think so. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I was did. I never really liked shopping uh, for myself anyway. So I really do like the online experience. And and you mentioned kind of the last mile. And I think that's an evolving thing for for retailers is to get things to us quickly. You're in the technology world. What do you think about driverless cars delivering us uh, uh, our goods or drones delivering us? Do you see technology companies out there really trying to, to get into that space? Uh, you know, I, I've thought about this a little bit. Again, I relate to, I, first of all, I'm from the Midwest, so good luck flying anything around because there's some people out there that don't find that stuff interesting. But in New York, how are they going to fly something down? I live on 74th Street. They're going to fly something down and park it right in front of my apartment? <laughs> I find that a little bit difficult to believe. I know they're testing some robotic things that will bring groceries to your front door or whatever. Um, I think that'll be cool. But what happens when people start taking those things? They say, well, they have GPSs in them. You think somebody cares if they have GPSs in them? They'll just beat them to death and take the food out of it. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I, 
I'm not sure that I'm completely ready for that experience. I think the driverless cars would be great. Bringing me stuff would be great. But we're still maybe five, six years out, even away from that, uh, from everything that I've seen. Yeah. And what about some of the data companies? You know, we've got companies that have been around a while, like CoStar. You've got uh, Reese. You've got uh, RC Analytics. Um, but there's also uh, new companies that are, are, have been gaining some ground, right? Yeah. You know, it, there's still, again, the same way of collecting data. Do we, do we source it from the brokers? Do we source it from the, the, the retailers or the owners? I think in the retail side, that is still hugely important. It's, it's fairly obvious that that's what you need to do to try to understand that consumer a little bit better. I think some of these legacy data companies, quite honestly, are just hanging on and they're making money because somebody thinks that data is still valuable. I think there's so many more efficient ways that we can and are. I know some of the companies that are coming up that are doing it, certainly in multifamily and retail, I think, are leading, leading the way. Yeah, and retail is really interesting when you look at the data, you know, the cycle graphics and the, you know, the really this the detailed information you can get about consumers nowadays, it can really benefit the retail retailers. Oh, no doubt about it. And again, I think, and I mentioned Brookfield, I think they have a company that they started just on its own just to do data. And it's like a $200 million company already. Yeah. That's just for their data and how they're doing things with retail. It's amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Duke, uh, thanks for being on the show. Good information. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Love your stuff. All right. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on retail and retail real estate after the short break. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. And uh, this segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Well, I'm going to add some final words about retail real estate to finish up the show for you today. I think we've heard some interesting things about uses, about marketing, and about technology. I'd like to talk to you about some retail properties. And if you think about it, Retail real estate um, is usually good real estate. It's usually flat. It's usually clear. It usually has great street frontage. So there are a lot of opportunities in retail. On your current properties, think about changes in uses. Think about restaurants. Think about gyms. Uh, think about uh, uh, multifamily. Think about redevelopment uh, parts of it for hotel use or for multifamily use or, or mixed use. Uh, a lot of investors we're seeing are acquiring properties now to hold on to potentially for the next cycle to redevelop in the next cycle and have some income in the meantime. So think about remodeling and refreshing. We see a lot of retail properties that are hanging on, doing, hanging on and doing okay, but really could use a facade improvement, maybe some signage improvement to get, get more excitement, get some more people uh, into these centers. So uh, there are a lot of opportunities uh, with retail today. You know, some of the uh, uses that we're seeing, there was a big uh, retail property in Atlanta on Peachtree Street where one of the big boxes uh, was rented for office space, at least for office space. And it was interesting, the CEO mentioned that, you know, um, 
he liked it because, yeah, it's not traditional office, but you don't have the parking deck in, in that time frame. You can park in a surface parking lot. Your, your people can come right in. And it's very convenient for them when they want to go out for lunch or before or after work. And they have almost everything they could ever think of within walking distance uh, because it isn't a retail setting. So, you know, I like real estate, uh, retail real estate. I think there's a lot of opportunities. Now, if it is time for you to sell, if you're like, hey, I've had enough, you know, I, maybe I want to sell before interest rates rise further, before this cycle uh, comes to an end. Uh, then you think about selling it. It's a good time. If you like, we can give you someone or maybe we can do it or we can give you the right people. They can give you an analysis. If the property's marketed right, if it's marketed well, there are a lot of buyers. We're bringing some properties on the market uh, each week. Uh, they get multiple competing offers. There's a lot of buyers for retail properties. Uh, and some of these retail properties are really good buys for even the more passive investor because they have tenants that are are, are internet <laughs> resistant, or some people call it Amazon resistant. You know, these are tenants that you, you really can't replace uh, online. And so these centers are getting uh, good, good traffic and the tenants are doing really well. That's the other thing too, I'd like to remind people that, especially if they're not in retail or don't own some really nice retail properties is that a lot of properties are doing extremely well and retailers are doing well. Um, and these properties are still uh, commanding some pretty high cap rates and some pretty high rents. Uh, as Barbara mentioned in the first segment, there's some, some markets with good job growth and population growth where the, the, the rents are increasing on these retail properties. So don't discount retail, look at it. There's a lot of opportunities. If you'd like to know more about a certain market area, or if you'd like to know uh, what a property is worth that you're considering buying or you're considering selling, uh, reach out to me. Uh, my information can be found at bullrealty.com. And uh, if you have any questions about retail or if you have any comments, we appreciate hearing from you. We appreciate you sharing the show. And most of all, I appreciate you listening or watching. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, BOMI.org, Property and Facility Management Education, Real Crowd, Crowdfunding with Professionals, The News Funnel, Real Estate News Personalized, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, Video Training from Michael Bull. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.